right, thank you for that. You want to find your seats. Appreciate uh, each of you being here tonight. <coughs> it's easy sometimes to get a little discouraged when you have a, a low crowd or a low, low number of people, but I'm grateful for you being here. And I want to uh, assure you, God's doing a work in our church. He's, uh, we've had some great visits last night. Nick's been taking the teenagers soul winning, and they don't get bit by dogs, so it's been good nights. Uh, but uh, they made some good calls last night. I signed up another young person for camp today. Uh, my wife and I visited a couple that's been coming and uh, in the church, and they're just thrilled to be a part of our church family so far. So I'm grateful for what the Lord is doing. Uh, Ruth chapter 2, right tonight, Ruth chapter 2. We've talked about ruin and Resolve and return, and tonight we get to reaping. Uh, as we move through the story of Ruth, after coming to Bethlehem, Ruth, we find her working as a gleaner in the barley fields uh, for food. Now, this might seem like a low point in her life, because basically you're you're kind of like a beggar. I mean, you're you're showing your poverty. You're out there looking to just pick up second-rate food. You can't afford to buy it. The law that's in place, we'll talk about in a minute, was for those that are in poverty. But this is how she would meet Boaz. This is how she would become an ancestress of Jesus Christ. And it's a good lesson for us that sometimes in our life, when it seems like it's an insignificant time or a low time in our life, uh, we need to just stay faithful even during that time. And that that may turn out to be a major life-turning uh, time for us if you're just faithful. And so I always, enjoy, always appreciate and impressed by people uh, who have maybe a major life uh, event or tragedy happen and they just continue to plow on for God and then to see God work through those things. This is what was happening with Ruth. Do right when it's easy and do right when it's hard. And that's what we need to do. Be faithful during the good times and be faithful during the hard times. And that's when God blesses. It might be at your lowest point that God brings about the situation that changes everything, which is what happened here with Ruth. Let's walk through what happened, uh, beginning with the proposal for the reaping. Well, let's read here first, and then we'll, we'll start breaking down the verses. Now, Naomi, verse 1, had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth, and the man and the fa of the family of Elimelech, and his name was... Boaz, and Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go into the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hat was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. We might read a few more verses depending on how long we get, but uh, let's just stop there for now. She proposed to Naomi... Uh, that she would go reaping. Now, Naomi, remember, had come home empty, chapter 1, verse 21, and so they needed food. They needed to survive. They needed to find uh, sustenance. There was not much that widows could do in that day and age, uh, but there was one thing. They could gather food by gleaning in the fields that were being harvested. This is exactly what Ruth proposed to do. Look at what she says in verse 2. Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean. It's interesting that Ruth, not Naomi, initiated this. Ruth saw the need and she offered to go gleaning. 
Now, this emphasizes Ruth's willingness to help out Naomi in her home there. She didn't have to be prodded. She didn't have to be begged. She didn't have to be threatened before she went to work. Uh, she volunteered. She didn't have to be drafted. She did not try to pass the buck off on someone else or, you know, I'm a visitor here, I'm a stranger here, but she's willing to make her own way and get busy herself. I like that about Ruth. I like the fact that she's not going to sit around waiting to be served. She's ready to serve. Would there, would to God that there would be more of that type of mentality in our Christian circles today? Many people see needs in church but are unwilling to get involved. Uh, it's it's uh, the 20% rule. did some study on that recently, and it's amazing how many things the 20% rule applies to uh, in, in anything. At a potluck, 20% of the people will eat 80% of the food. 20% uh, of the people make 80% of the money. You could go on and on down the list. It's, it's almost uh, it's almost a universal rule. But uh, here in, in churches, I would say it's probably true. 20% of the people probably do about 80% of the work. And so we need to be willing to get involved. I, ha I like this. I've used this before, but it's a good reminder for us. There's a story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There's a job to be done, and everybody thought, that somebody was going to do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry because it was everybody's job, and everybody thought that anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. So it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. And how many? sometimes that's how we find ourselves in church work too. Get involved. And uh, praise the Lord for those who do. Praise the Lord for Ruth. Now, Ruth's proposal was to reap barley, and it was put to Naomi in the form of a request. Let me now go to the field and glean. Requesting permission from Naomi showed that Ruth had respect for her. And uh, was, you know, Naomi remembers bitter. Naomi's angry. She's probably not the best person to live with at this time. She's not happy yet. She came back moping and griping and complaining to her neighbors. And yet, here is Ruth showing her respect to her mother-in-law. And I think it's a good case of young showing respect for their elders. That is a fast-disappearing art in our world today. Our youth are not showing the respect for their elders like, like they should, like they used to. And I know Socrates complained about that very thing. Okay, It's a problem been around for a long time. But uh, as I'll just say what every generation has said since Socrates, it's worse now than it's ever uh, I think we can probably agree with that. Ruth could have gone on her own, but it was uh, very respectful her to speak to Naomi about it first. Also, the not only the willingness, the respectfulness, but the quickness. Let me now go and glean. The emphasis uh, there is the word now. Promptness of action is needed here because the harvest is going to be over soon. And Ruth realized there's a window of opportunity here. Let me go now. Opportunity often gives us a small of amount of time uh, to get done what needs to be done. Opportunity does not encourage laziness. Uh, delay in responding to opportunity reflects a poor character. And the fact that Ruth here is immediately ready to go and get to work uh, says something good about her. Uh, procrastinators. Do we have any procrastinators in here? You'll raise your hand tomorrow. Okay. Uh, procrastination. Uh, it's it's uh, sometimes complain, procrastinators complain they don't have as many opportunities as other people when they're just not jumping on the opportunities the way that other people do. 
And so procrastinators' problems are often that they're negligent in responding and uh, trying to respond to opportunities that already passed them by Ruth, said, let me now go and glean. And then next, the industriousness. The industriousness. Sorry, long word. Let me now go in the field and glean, verse 2. Ruth's suggestion about gleaning involves some work on her part. This would be back-breaking work. It would be hot and dusty work. It wouldn't be easy uh, picking up the grain that the reapers had dropped. For Ruth to propose to go gleaning shows that she's a diligent person. Uh, Matthew Henry said this, She was one of those virtuous women that love not to eat the bread of idleness. Proverbs 31.27 is what he was referring to there. She looketh well to the ways of her household and eateth not the bread of idleness. Ruth is not looking to others for handouts. And now again, this may seem elementary to many of us, but uh, this is not, this is the society we're, we're part of today. This is not how young people think, most of them today. They're, look, they're waiting to be fed. They're looking for handouts, looking for their, I just got an email again uh, just the other day about, uh, from some official somewhere, encouraging us to get involved in paying off student loan debt. That's uh, kind of unfair to the ones who've already paid it off, isn't it? But uh, they're looking for that handout. But here she's willing to go to work. She's not a lazy person sitting around the house. Uh, she is ready to go to work and supply uh, her need and provide for herself and Naomi. Uh, didn't ask Naomi to buy a television. Uh, it's not time to play. It's time to go to work. Morrison said, all great men and women have been diligent workers. I believe that with all my heart. All great men and women have been diligent workers. Achievers in life are not lazy. They're willing to go to work. And then look at the humbleness. We're really digging into this one little phrase. Okay, Look at the humbleness. Let me go and glean. Gleaning the fields is hard work. And it's humble work. It's an acknowledgement of your lowly station in life. It's, humil it's humiliating to be a gleaner. It says that you're poor. It says that you're in need. It certainly does not raise your self-esteem, which seems to be the creme de la creme of the desire of today's society, as our self-esteem has to be up there. We're going to take pills for it or go talk to psychiatrists until we can get it back up there. This is not going to build self-esteem. Uh, this is really the only way that they were going to make it, though. And when you come to a place where gleaning is the last resort, it's a humbling situation. It was a humbling situation for her. If pride had kept her from gleaning, now don't miss this part here, if she'd have been too proud to stoop down to this level of societal shame, you could say, would have just added to her problems. It would have not gotten her what she ended up with, all the glory that God's going to bestow on her. She would not have gotten if she wouldn't have been willing to do it. You know what the Bible says in Proverbs 15.33? Here's a verse for you, Pastor Ferg. It's short. For honor is humility. There, that's a, that's a, is that we do do we do the letters on that? There's only four letters, four words. Before honor is humility, and so it was with Ruth. Humility was a way in which she then would later gain great honor, and we'll see how God used this. But man, listen, we need to be willing to humble ourselves. Uh, had she not been humble enough to do this even lowly work, she would not have she would have missed out on a great honor. Alright? Uh, number F, the lawfulness. The lawfulness. Gleaning in the fields 
was lawful. It was uh, the law of Moses that made this provision. It talks about it in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 22. And when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not make clean riddance of the corners of thy field when thou reapest, neither shalt thou gather any gleaning of thy harvest, thou shalt leave them unto the poor and to the stranger. I like that welfare program. Uh, there might be hungry people. Let them come and pick it. Amen. We're not going to go, we're not going to mail them a card. All right. We're going to let them come and work for it a little bit. But what a great way to provide. Leave the corners, leave some for them. And, uh, Deuteronomy 24, 19, when thou cuttest down thine harvest in thy field and hast forgot a sheaf in the field, thou shalt not again go to fetch it. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, for the widow. Another situation here is if something's dropped, uh, if one of the sheaves falls off the wagon, or if you forget one over there and you realize it, don't go back for it, just leave it there, and it'll be for basically for charity. And this talks about four particular groups allowed to glean. The poor, that was Leviticus 23-22, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. Guess what? Ruth fit every category. She fits stranger, she's a Moabitess, she was poor, she was a widow, and she didn't have a father with her anyway, so I mean, as far as in the land of Israel, she's fatherless, doesn't have anybody to take care of her. This is a, I think this is a great welfare program uh, for a great idea. The gleaning law did, did not give the barley and the wheat to the needy, it, it provided for them to go out and work for it, and I think that's a noble way to provide for someone. You know, it's true, the Bible says that Jesus talks about the birds being taken care of and, and God takes care of the sparrow. Are you not much greater than these? And God does provide for the sparrow, but never does he put the food in their nest. They go digging for it. Uh, they come and raid your bird feeder, you know, that you put out for the good birds, and they are out there working and hustling. God has many blessings for us, but he's not going to drop them in our lap. Sometimes it takes some work and duty and labor are involved. God is never runs a welfare program that makes people lazy. If you want God's blessings, then you learn how to work. Only one thing comes from God without work. That is salvation. It's the only thing. Everything else uh, that we achieve, the success, uh, talks about in Joshua 1.8, meditating on the word of God. And uh, we all the, all the things that we achieve, then they take some effort, some duty, labor. One of the results of salvation, though, is what it is. Work. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus and unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So, even though we don't receive salvation by works, uh, salvation will result in good works. Alright, moving on. The graciousness. Still the same phrase, let me now glean after him in whose sight I shall find grace. Gifts do not exempt the recipients from graciousness. Entitlement does not excuse courtesy. It's one of the things that bothers me the most about uh, the, the programs we have in place today. I am all for helping the poor get a leg up. I'm all for helping widows and single mothers and families who've been abandoned. I'm all for helping people who need something, but the way that it has translated into entitlement is a problem for me, always bothers me. Having rights does not permit you to be belligerent in your behavior. Yes, Ruth had the lawful right 
to glean in the field. But she didn't demand that of the owners. Or did she carry a picket sign? Or did she hurl bricks? All right, she was all about being gracious. She planned to ask permission to glean in their fields. Now, that's not the attitude of the many deadbeat welfare bunch in our land today. Too many of them are are demanding instead of having uh, having a little bit of grace like she was. I like that about Ruth. She had that character. Now, asking to glean, uh, there is also, I, I read several different sources how many wealthy, miserly farmers in that time disobeyed the law. They reaped the corner. It was their corners. They picked up anything that dropped. They disobeyed that law. And so many refused gleaners in their fields. And, of course, there's no place for that attitude either. Uh, if God has blessed us and provided for us, we ought to live open-handed with what God's blessed us with. Miserly people missed the greatest blessings of life. Boaz didn't. He was very charitable. And God blessed him for it. He got a wonderful wife out of it. In Ruth, later, uh, he got a child, Obed, which would be in the line of Christ. Stinginess will never give you blessing. Miserliness will never give you blessing, but takes blessings away from you. So there was graciousness here. And then the steadfastness we see in Ruth. With poverty staring her in the face. You know, we talked about the test she went past when she was in Moab. Remember Ruth and Orpah were given those tests, and Ruth passed every test. I really think this was another one in the land of Israel. Uh, this poverty, she could have went back. You know what, Naomi, you were right. We're in bad shape over here. I mean, the cupboards are empty. We have no way of making money. No way of getting food. I'm going back to Moab. She could have said that, but uh, she did not. She still had this resolve and uh, was willing. By the way, poverty can always be a test to our spiritual resolve. See it in counseling numerous times. People that are struggling and it, it affects them spiritually. The rich man in Jesus' day was unwilling to give up his riches to serve Christ. And many people in our day are unwilling to give up anything to serve God. And so Ruth had a steadfast. And then number I, next, the acceptableness. Verse, 20, verse 2 still, she said to her, Go, my daughter. Naomi accepted Ruth's suggestion had to be kind of hard for Naomi to let Ruth glean. It was hard for two reasons. There was a, the loyalness of Ruth. She'd been so loyal to Naomi. It's hard for Naomi to see her loyalty rewarded by putting her in this position. The lowliness of the gleaning. Naomi had no one better days than this. I have to imagine as she sees Ruth go the first day to go out gleaning, if she didn't maybe have some tears in her eyes thinking it's come down to this. We're... We're, re we're regulated to beg. But little did Naomi realize that Ruth was headed to glory when she went out in humility. And that's just how it happens with us for the Lord. If we are, if we are obedient in humility, let's never be too good for any work that lies before us. Let's never see ourselves as too high up for a lowly duty. When we are in dark times, the quickest way to the light is the prompt pursuit of duty, uh, even though that might be humble. On occasion, we've got friends or church folks, or people I know that lose their job. And it always impresses me. You might have had a good paying job and they'll immediately 
Uh, they don't sit around waiting on a management position. They get to work. Maybe they're flipping burgers for a while until they get back on their feet. That impresses me. You know, don't be afraid to do something lowly. Get the job done. Just be about doing your duty. Spending time moaning over our troubles does nothing to help our situation. Getting busy in our duty does. And so that, uh, I think, is encouraging to us. All right, now, we're not going to spend the rest of Ruth that much time on each line. <laughs> so, but I think there's a lot in that little line. And Ruth offers that and Naomi gives it. So uh, that, was, uh, that was really just the first point of tonight's message, but uh, we'll stop there because we're just running out of time here. And, uh, but that was the proposal for the reaping. We'll look at the place next, and then as we introduce to Boaz and all that he has done uh, does for her, it's just such a blessing. One of the greatest blessings of reading the story of Ruth is how God works. It's like Esther, too. It's how God works behind the scenes. You know, in the book of Esther, God's name is never mentioned, but he is all over that book and uh, because you see him working. And so I love to see how the Lord works things out. And I had a... I had something uh, I really was excited about tonight. Uh, one word in verse 3. I'll just give you a teaser. We're going to, I think, next Wednesday because of camp. That's the fourth book of preach. But next time I'm up on this, look at verse 3. Um, we're going to talk about a three-letter word in there. Hap. Uh, it says, for hap is to light part of the field. There's a lot to talk about in the word hap. So we're going to talk about that next time we get together. All right? And uh, it will be to dismiss in prayer. Thank you for being here tonight.